Hello, and welcome to Digital Marketing Musings, hosted by Merkle. Each episode, we choose a different expert to share the latest and greatest in digital marketing trends. Today, we're interviewing Chris Wayman and Michaela Baxter about inflation. All right, let's get to it. I'm Gaia Reed. And I'm Andrew McCartney. And this is Digital Marketing Musings. Welcome back to Digital Marketing Using Season 2. Today, we're joined by Chris and Michaela to talk about a very important topic, inflation. Chris leads the promotion, loyalty, and messaging business at Merkel. He's actually uh, a rebound to Merkel. has been here combined uh, for 10 years, and he's been in the digital marketing space for 20 plus years. Michaela Baxter is a VP in Merkel's experience and commerce team focusing on loyalty strategy with a decades-long passion for customer engagement and loyalty. Welcome to the show, Chris and Michaela. Thank you. Great to be here. Thanks for having us. Okay. So like I said, this is a very important topic, especially for so many businesses right now. Uh, Quick recap of where we're at with inflation in the U.S. Uh, I want to say it is 8.3% in April of 2022 as we're recording. So Chris, Michaela, what are your thoughts on what's causing this you know, supply chain issues, um, increased worker wages, global politics, trade restrictions, like any number of things. Love to get your take on this. Yeah. Well, I think, first of all, inflation's global in nature. And it's important to recognize that. We'll talk about the U.S. in a moment. But for our clients that are global, they're experiencing inflation in different rates across uh, the markets. And um, what's impacting them is the cost of goods to be manufactured. And obviously, there are supply chain issues kind of woven throughout that. But in the U.S., I mean, I I think of this as part of the long tail of COVID. You know, it's hard to determine if this would have happened if we would not be living in a COVID world. But here we are today. And it's really a combination of a number of topics that I, I don't think that the market or uh, leaders have a really good handle on, but we are seeing uh, supply chain delays. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at what's happening in China right now, they've gone through more COVID lockdown restrictions, which yep. could which could worsen things. You have a, a a hot labor market here in the U.S. where there's actually a labor shortage. A number of our retail clients are experiencing the inability to you know fully staff uh, the stores, but also uh, when you think about new store openings, we had another client that said. Uh, they were holding back on launching a marketing program because they couldn't open new stores because they couldn't get the glass for the windows mm-hmm. for the stores. So you've got labor shortages kind of throughout the market itself. Clearly, Ukraine is on everybody's mind, which is a horribly unfortunate situation. That's you know mostly impacting Europe, but is certainly unsettling everybody uh, mm-hmm. based on what Putin's saying. You have trade restrictions and tariffs that remain in place globally, not necessarily preventing free trade, but making it harder for the supply right. chain to work. And you have increasing interest rates, and and so you know this is not something that any of us have had to deal with in a long, long time. Right. And um, you know the. There's been a lot of mixed messaging on interest rates from the Fed, but the Fed came out a couple of weeks ago and said that they may need to go neutral with inflation uh, to slow inflation down. And so if we're at 8%, you know you know what that means, right? It's going to increase. Dramatic turn from what it has been. Yeah. And so it's really a complicated discussion beyond what a marketer is you know, trained <laughs> and schooled on and 
based on um, a lot of research I do, there's really no clear indication on when it's going to slow down. I, I will say that um, it looks like, so Friday the 13th was last week. It looks like the, there was a correction in the stock market as well, uh, which mm. is, is not a sign of necessarily the economy, economy slowing down, but it is kind of resetting particularly high corporate valuations. Right. And that starts to lead into how it you know, is impacting uh, brands and the, the companies that we work with. So you've already touched on a few ways that this is affecting, especially our clients' businesses, but are there other ways or considerations that we're seeing this play out uh, across the Merkle client set? Well, yeah, there there absolutely are uh, lots of impacts. So if you think about this topic of low, medium, and household income levels, you know, at the low and medium household income levels, you really have what's called wage inflation, right? So you've had a particularly hot job market, but for, for most Americans who buy things like consumer goods at the grocery store, uh, gas, or are, are thinking about a major purchase like buying a home or a car, what's essentially happened is you've really got this triple whammy where gas is significantly increased. So if somebody's driving to work every day, you know, that's that's a hit to their pocketbook. The price of food in stores has increased, largely not from what we can see because brands are taking advantage of that. It's just the price of, of things like fertilizer four times it used to be, which mm-hmm. is really changing how things are being produced. And rents have increased. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's a, a story, a, a friend of mine who has a two-bedroom apartment their lease is about a you know two year lease, and they were paying you know two thousand a month. Well, the landlord just increased the new rental price to twenty nine hundred dollars a month. So if you really wow. if, if you combine all of that and you add it all up, you know there's some research that indicates that you know people are being they're seeing this uh, this buying power of the dollar their dollar go down by about five or six thousand a year. Which is which is a big number. So it's impacting our clients in different ways. You know, I think again on on the the brands that are working producing items that are in those categories, just to stick with those, they're not able to increase prices quickly enough, which means that they're experiencing uh, certain cuts in, in marketing budgets and or hmm. the pressure to produce return on marketing investment for marketing activities is really, really heating up quite a bit. Interestingly, on the other side, on luxury goods, there's not much of an issue there right now because that really starts to tie to discretionary spending. And so for for higher household incomes or for people who want that luxury item, brands really aren't seeing much of an impact there. So it's really interesting right now in how we work with our clients and advise them on their marketing programs. I had read an article that uh, said, uh, and uh, we'll, we'll cite it in the, the show notes, but it kind of also got into that high-end, low-end difference, but it was even specific to grocery prices, where if someone has historically been buying like your free-range, uh, organic, kind of like higher end tier of products in grocery, 
then those have actually continued to become cheaper and or stabilized even with uh, inflation increasing, whereas it's really the like lower end uh, generic products that have been really seeing the, the, the increase from inflationary effects. So it's kind of like triple hitting, uh, like you mentioned, to, to individuals who are um, spending and um, living in the, the lower HHI brackets for sure. Yeah, the, the research just shows that while the economy is still strong, consumer sentiment is just softening a bit. People are becoming mm-hmm. a, a little more uncertain and are starting to question the purchases they make. And, and obviously, we're still early into yeah. this, right? The sky is not falling. But <laughs> when we've seen this in the past, you do get into really important topics about category switching, moving to private label brands, you know, different topics that if the brand's not paying close attention, they may lose a customer uh, and, not, and not get them back. So this is actually a really nice transition to the question that's been on my mind and how is inflation affecting like end consumers and how does this change how they buy or interact with brands, um, particularly on the interaction side of things? Like I imagine loyalty plays a pretty big component to this in terms of what marketers want to be doing, but also just curious on, on your thoughts on that. I mean, my, my thinking on this and Michaela, at some point, I'm sure you want to jump in here based (laughs) on all the work you do is I'll start with an example of what we saw during COVID because we all lived through it. This is not me saying, hey, 25 years ago, do you remember what happened? <laughs> or, yeah, uh, yeah. This just happened recently. If you recall during COVID, marketers were profound in how they changed the nature of their, their uh, communications, really their marketing to consumers, mm-hmm. of being very mindful about not wanting to put them in harm's way to drive them to a store or to offer incentives and discounts. There was a lot of thinking that happened around not asking the consumer to do something if it would potentially harm or impact them or their family or friends. I think we're about due for the next wave of this. So marketing largely got back to normal, but here's what I think is going to happen. And it's rooted in all of our behavioral analysis, consumer behavior analysis, and really what loyalty programs are all about, which is you know, the consumer, all the research indicates the consumer wants a relationship with the brand as if the brand is a person, which Mm -hmm. is really hard to wrap your mind around. And they want (laughs) the brand to represent their values and to have respect for the individual, not, and not just from a data perspective, but know me as a, as an individual. I think what's about to happen is marketers will start to see that they're going to need to change the tone of their marketing messages to know that and to acknowledge this thing called inflation, that the dollar's not going as far. And and I don't mean by just creating dollar value menus or things like that, but I think the tone of marketing is going to need to change just to acknowledge what many consumers are going through. And I think if that does not happen, you know, brands won't be able to honor knowing me as an individual and may end up losing a valuable customer and never getting them back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, th- I think that's incredibly important for younger consumers today too. So when you think about millennials and Gen Z, 
who make up a huge portion of GDP, inflation is hitting them pretty hard. And for particularly Gen Z, this is the first time they're experiencing it mm-hmm. in their lifetime, right? And so they need a little education. <laughs> they're a generation who likes a little bit more transparency, right? So there could be a ripe opportunity here for brands to help younger generations right now transition this and, and, and navigate through it. You know, you can think about the impact of financial stress on an individual's well-being, right? This impacts all of us, not just Gen Z, but you've got pandemic stress, you've got work culture stress, mm-hmm. you've got school stress, you've got financial stress, and it kind of all adds up. And there's this heightened awareness around well-being right now that brands need to um, be more empathetic about. And they need to empathetically help their consumers beyond those discounts and to double down on their value proposition um, and be transparent about what's going on in their business, because otherwise they're just going to come off as out of touch. And that impact of understanding me today is really going to benefit them in the long term, you know, as you think about that generation's future buying decisions. So Michaela, I know I'm putting you a little bit on the spot with this question, but do you have any examples of brands that are either doing this well now or maybe historically have done this well, just trying to add a little bit of color and make it a little more tangible for our listeners. Yeah. I mean, the example that I love, and it's from a year ago, so it's not apples to apples to today's dynamic, but Starbucks, um, you know, they're known for their, for their seasonal promotional games, usually focused around holiday and, and summer seasons. And last year uh, they launched a promotion focused in, in April, focused on their plant-based initiatives mm. um, and earth and earth-friendly campaigns that were happening um, within their stores, and their customers loved it. Like the TikTok videos were incredible. <laughs> the like the engagement around this program was through the roof, and it was you know a simple. It was a game, and there was all these like educational components around Starbucks initiatives in mm-hmm. it as well. But it really helped build those. Chris talked about the values, right? It helped build those values-based bonds um, with the business while also supporting getting more people in the stores, right? More frequently. So there doesn't have to be this trade-off between brand and customer values and um, and and sales. And I think that's what we're seeing a lot. Very cool. Thank you. That was great. And I think just to add to that a little bit, I mean, the thinking or the thought process should be for a marketer, how do I start to engage the consumer with a portion of my marketing strategy and learn from this and understand what consumers react to and what they don't? So I think what Michaela and I are saying is don't change the entire marketing strategy, right? That's not a good idea. but there, there does there does need to be marketing execution that is not directly tied towards revenue generation and is tied towards communicating those brand values and, and aligning with the consumer. The sooner marketers start to uh, try that or to work through that, the better off they're going to be. And it, it can be a little uneasy to do that. So take some brave marketers, but make no mistake, ignoring that and not developing those competencies and making that part of the marketing strategy is just going to make matters worse because the right. trends speak for themselves. 
And I feel like you're, you're teeing me up to really ask this question too, of like, you've already acknowledged that in this time of a lot of cost pressures, a lot of brands are cutting back on, on media or other advertising or, or marketing spend in general, just to decrease their expenses. You know, what would you say to one of those brands in terms of why is customer loyalty like an even more important thing to invest in during this kind of period of uncertainty? And how does that play out in terms of the impact short-term and long-term? Yeah, that's a great question. I believe that loyalty or what we call loyalty experience really became well understood as a result of COVID, uh, which I I hate to keep bringing that back up, but we learned a lot of lessons. (laughs) It's a big thing. So, so I think for people who aren't really familiar with loyalty programs or who uh, think that they know what they are, you know, the, there are um, transactional loyalty programs. It's great where you've trained the consumer to volunteer a certain amount of information to receive certain financial benefits. Loyalty programs are really about lifestyle. It's about providing value to the consumer that's beyond price itself. It's about, I think, identifying and amplifying what's authentic about the brand and reminding that individual throughout the moments of the journey why they the consumer chose the the brand in the first place. So I, I think it's more about how brands should engage in loyalty. And I would recommend to just just, just throw away, put it in a balloon and let it go, that loyalty programs are these siloed programs that kind of sit alongside the Salesforce and Adobe and Braze and other platform stacks, and they get integrated into the data lake or the customer data strategy, but but they're kind of off to the side. Dispel of that notion because a loyalty, Forrester will say a loyalty program is, is the overall experience that a consumer or, or customer, B2C or, or B2B, has with a brand throughout every interaction. It's the sum total. I think it's more humanistic than that. At least what resonates with me is that a loyalty program is a representation of the brand values to the individual and that that needs to be woven through all experience and marketing execution. So instead of loyalty just being kind of a a siloed program, it needs to be thought of in terms of woven in as the red thread, cross-platform, cross-cloud where we're capturing, we're engaging the consumer, but we're capturing valuable first and zero party data and we're hydrating the data lake and really informing the customer data strategy. It's important to start to make that shift because loyalty has been uh, around for a while. A lot of people have preconceived notions of what it is, but it, it has changed quite a bit. And because we have all of these marketing technologies available, different campaign tools, personalization, journey optimization, clean rooms with AI and ML coming in to, to, to the fold, we really need to be thinking more broadly about how the loyalty interactions, we harvest that data and improve the overall customer experience. I hope that answered the question, but it's, it's much bigger picture thinking. And I think for many marketers, who don't control all marketing and technology spend, that's a pretty big hill to climb. And, you know, it takes some time to do that. But bringing that thinking into the business, making sure that even promotions uh, that drive down acquisition costs and help drive acquisition to the database, 
those capabilities really need to be thought of as data as the black gold and allowing the data scientists and and the, the, the CIO's team and the marketing team to really leverage the investment they've made over the years in marketing tech stacks and campaign tools. So it's a it's hard to wrap your mind around, but I would just recommend kind of start to expand your your thinking in that area. Yeah, and I like to think of loyalty program or loyalty in general as trust builders and that strange thing called a brand relationship that Chris mentioned earlier. Like, really, it's not just about delivering an incentive. It's about having a mechanism to consistently and reliably deliver rational and emotional values to consumers. And once you're able to do that, that's when you can build those deeper brand connections to get to that ultimate brand loyalty outcome that, you know, that we're, you're ultimately trying to achieve, not just a discount focused incentive, basically. So maybe this is a good like summary of what I'm hearing from both of you. And you can correct me if I'm wrong, but during a point of uncertainty, when companies may not really be able to compete on price, this is the time to focus on building customer trust during like a, a holistic perspective in terms of a, a customer loyalty program and see a lot of the point of it during that time to collect data on your customers and what's important to them. Would that be an accurate summary? I think so. I think, yeah. No, we were, we're both in full agreement. <laughs> <laughs> so with this in mind, are there any changing trends in how brands are approaching this, these promotional strategies and, and loyalty, given current events and market trends and new technologies coming out and all of these sorts of things? I know we've talked quite a bit earlier in the podcast around like NFTs and finding a way to provide value in a unique and different, deeper customer experience that the benefit doesn't have to be through an NFT, but again, just trying to get a sense of how brands are approaching this. Yeah, I think um, I'm not as well versed in NFTs. And frankly, there's a little bit of controversy around them, particularly <laughs> around sustainability, right? Yeah. Very true. Um, and right now, I think they're appealing to a much more narrow segment of mm -hmm. the population. A little sneak peek into um, our annual loyalty barometer study, which will be published in June. We added some questions around NFTs and crypto um, in relation to loyalty programs. And while there's some interest, it's definitely among a smaller audience and mm. definitely a, a younger audience. So to me, things like NFTs could be an interesting way to experiment with adding value and those kind of immersive experiences into the customer experience. But opinion, the opinion of one right now is this is an opportunity to test and learn while this idea of the metaverse is scaling and really more of, you know, NFTs and crypto and all those things are becoming more widely adopted in the market. I do think that promotions are a great way to test that. Right. Promotions, even on top of loyalty programs, are these really flexible lever levers that you can kind of pull to, you know, pulse in these engagement, these sparks of engagement mm. within the customer the experience, within the customer experience. And you can do all of the great things around data collection and motivating behavior that a loyalty program can do, but they can be more flexible and fit into the customer experience better than, you know, really kind of this evergreen static, always on earn and burn structure that a loyalty program may have. So you can use promotions to spark those moments of engagement with customers, even if you don't have a loyalty 
program to begin with, right? right. But it, when you do, it's even more, you can get even more benefit and you're collecting even more data through those, um, those kind of micro experiences. Yeah, I, I would definitely invest time in understanding the technologies. I mean, clearly most people listening to this podcast already have. But what just happened over the last two to three weeks is Bitcoin touched $30,000. And so there was a movement for quite some time about enabling blockchain with loyalty programs or to allow individuals participating in a loyalty program to convert the value of the brand's points to crypto. And I think all those are important to to think through but what we just witnessed is a decline in in crypto so if i if i'm a consumer and i converted 100 points worth something to crypto my those points are worth 60% of what they were before so right. you know i think i, I agree with michaela I, I would absolutely look for opportunities to test through things like promotions um, mm. so they're presented in a certain way Consumers can be excited about it. The consumer can learn and engage with the brand. The brand can learn as well. But in terms of making any big structural strategy changes based on this, it's important to realize that there are pros and cons and trade-offs, and it's still early. So I would be doing a lot of research to really understand the implications of that. The one thing that is coming is really Web3 and the continued importance on consumer data privacy. And so I I wouldn't be surprised at all if over time we see progressive profile opt-in happening, whereby it's easy to ask uh, someone to register and to acquire them in exchange for some value. But beyond first name, last name, and maybe zip code, consumers have become, I I think consumers are becoming very savvy, especially research on Gen Z and earlier Mm -hmm. millennials around, hey, I I know you're capturing my data. It's okay. However, I want you to be responsible with it. And I want to understand that there's more value. So as I produce or provide more data to you, I do expect some value in return. So I would have marketers kind of focus on, is there a way to progressively opt consumers in to enhance the value of the experiences? So it's not just a one size fits all approach. Right. Well, what's so interesting is because you've mentioned earlier in the episode that the expectation of the consumer is that the brand knows them. It's a person that interacts with them or personality that interacts with them. While at the same time, we're being hit with the Web3 privacy sort of conversations at the same time, putting a lot of pressure on marketers to be really savvy with how they're, they're using the data and collecting the data, um, which is just such an interesting like intersection that we're at right now. It, it, it's going to, I think, have a profound in, in, impact on how well brands architected their customer data strategies and connected the marketing platforms and campaign tools to it. Mm-hmm. Because it's not it's not slowing down, and and, and in, in fact, right. we should be excited about it as marketers, uh, because <laughs> yeah. it, you know there's this word that's personalization's been around for a long time, and I think it's actually out of vogue now. But the reality to it is is it it, it is the ability to uh, have the data in one place, having gathered that data in a compliant way. And ultimately, mm-hmm. using uh, machine learning and AI 
to start making some decisions on how to uh, communicate to the individual, which involves the full stack. It's not just promotions and loyalty. It's messaging, commerce, service. You know, the list goes on and on. So it's actually a really exciting time, but it does mean we need to put all that technology to work. Right. And we need to to make it make it happen. Right. Yeah. And to call back to the barometer report, we're actually so the the loyalty barometer is an annual consumer study that we do. And we're seeing what Chris just described in that those results as well, where consumers seem to have an expectation around personalization and brands need to really up their game in terms of sophistication and how they're using technologies in order to deliver more relevance because it doesn't seem to be, it's an expectation now, it doesn't seem to be moving the needle in terms of a business driver as much as it did, you know, even three years ago when we were looking at the, uh, you know, at consumer sentiment around data sharing and personalization. And for any listeners who have gotten to this point in the episode, they're like, hold up, I need more information on NFTs and Web3. Go back and listen to our last three episodes because we've got two (laughs) on the metaverse and Web3 and one on NFTs. And I think those would be a great lead in to this conversation as well. Very much so. So kind of wrapping up this episode, outside of loyalty and promotional offers, are there any other things that brands should really be keeping in mind when dealing with a, a high inflationary period, um, whether it's you know channel specific or just from an overall business strategy perspective? I would just say that that's a really hard question to answer because it's almost like um, we're asking for the crystal ball. But here's the one thing that we just see over and over when when the brand or the marketer can be more transparent with your partner and when you can create an environment where your partners work together, we're going to get you better results. If the marketing continues to be siloed for, for whatever reason, even if we don't want it that way, we're we're decelerated a little bit. So what I would say is, you know, now is the time when you need your partners the most and you should hold us accountable to delivering outcomes and giving you good advice. And we should also be very collaborative, not only with, with your business and the different stakeholders of the brand, but with other partners as well. So I would just I would say the more we can link the marketing together, social, messaging, loyalty, commerce, D2C, the better off we're all going to be. So just you know, do what you can to encourage those introductions across the partners and foster uh, a collaborative working environment because you, you'll be really surprised at how far how far we can take things and, and how quickly we can advance. And for those for those brands that are already doing that, thank you because it it really allows us to produce our best work and and really you know experience the best results for you. Chris and Michaela, thank you so, so much for joining us today and sharing your expertise on inflation and promotions and loyalty. Definitely appreciate y'all joining our podcast today. Thank you. Thanks. That brings us to the end of this episode of Digital Marketing Musings. If you have an idea for an episode for our 2022 season, we would love to hear it. Just drop us a note at digitalmarketingmusings at merkelink.com. And of course, don't forget to hit that subscribe button and rate and review our show. It helps others find us. And of course, please tell a friend. This episode was produced by Merkel with sound and video editing by Craig Zagurski. Our team includes copywriting by Anika Schliesman, graphic design by Garrett Rubel, website support by Janisa Meeks, 
and social media and promotion by Gina Astrop and Andrea Ratner. And of course, tune in next time as we continue our gaming series with an episode on gaming creative. Until then, I'm Andrea McCartney. And I'm Gaia Reed. Bye.